Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today is Thomas Nolan. Thomas Nolan, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, tell us a little bit, where, where are you at right now? I'm in historic Appomattox, Virginia, and if you know your history, you know this is where Lee surrendered to Grant. This is where the Civil War ended. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Thomas, what do you tell us about what you do in Virginia? Tell you know, uh, wife, kids, that kind of stuff too. All right. So uh, I grew up in a real estate household. My parents, uh, my dad got in the business back in '77. I was born in '75, so I do not remember a time period that the phone wasn't ringing and leads weren't coming in. My mom got into the business shortly thereafter, and she was an entrepreneur in her own right, and kind of grew up with two sisters in that household, and then. Um, my dad did not push us to get into real estate. So we, we you know, we went out on our own and, and did our things. And two of us came back and got into real estate. And I, uh, I met my wife in college. Uh, we got married and moved back here. And, and we've got two kids now. We got one getting ready to graduate from high school. And then we've got one that's a freshman in high school. So wow, that new season. That's awesome. Are things getting back to normal there in Virginia? Well, um, I think so. Uh, the, the small town is a little bit different mentality than the urban, you know, and, it, you know, I think you probably would agree with me, the more population, the more fear can, can drive things. And, uh, yeah. and when you're in a small town, also people are, are more apt to not change. <laughs> so yeah. right. when people are telling them to put masks on, they're like, no, nah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, um, we, we did go, go through a time period there where, where uh, most everywhere was wearing masks and businesses were, you know, shut down, but it wasn't as big of a magnitude as it was in more than urban areas. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny because here in Florida on the West coast, you'd think you were in a different country than on the East coast. For some reason on the East coast, everybody is wearing a mask and, you know, and things And on the West coast, it's, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot more relaxed and, if you go down into old Naples, then they're a little bit more, um, I don't want to say mask crazy, but they're a little bit more um, serious about, hey, you better wear a mask. You got to have a mask on. Um, so I'm glad we're kind of getting past that. But there's something that's happening here. And man, I don't know if it's, I think it's happening all over the, the country. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is this real estate market. How's the real estate market up there? Oh, it's, uh, it's like it is everywhere else. It's, it's uh, low inventory, high demand, uh, people doing things that you've never seen them do. Uh, in the small town, it's not as big of peaks and valleys as in the, in the more urban areas, but we're still seeing a whole lot of what everybody else is seeing around the country. So what do you, what do you tell people? I mean, you've been, you've been in the, the real estate business a long time. You've had the ups and downs in the past. We all know what happened in you know uh leading up to 2008 and 9 and and all of that um what do you tell somebody like what do you do in a market like this man 
What a what what a question! <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, Thomas, or anything. That's a great question. Um, I like it. Uh, I think you know I've got a couple of younger guys, younger bucks here working at the office with me, and I love getting the younger uh, insight. You know, to see see their vision because I think guys like us that have been in the game for a while, we're, we're experienced. And people tell us we have wisdom. And you know what I think of wisdom? Wisdom is basically I've screwed up enough that I've realized I'm not going to do that again. That's wisdom, yeah. right? Like a lot of people think it's just being intelligent. It's not, you know. But I think that you got to be really careful with that wisdom or that experience as far as holding you back as well. Because it can keep you from, oh, well, I, you know, I, I put myself out there on that ledge earlier and I got, I got hammered, you know but maybe it's the right time to put yourself back out on the ledge, right? So it's, you know, you, you got to balance, you know, both of those things for sure. And um, so, you know, having the youngsters here in the office drives me to be more innovative. And, and so in 23 years of being in the business, I've been through, depends on what your definition of a recession is, you know, I guess you could say three, but mm -hmm. to me, it's really only been one big one. We had a short one after 911. You know, we had, um, you know, what you would call, or some people are calling it a recession last year. We didn't see that in real estate, really. So I've been through a lot of different markets. And of course, like I told you before, when I was seven years old, I was scraping and painting signs for my parents, you know, so I grew up in there. Um, I think probably the advice would be to learn as much as possible from those that come before you in different markets mm -hmm. and pay attention to what is going on as far as cycles, you know, um, pay attention to the people that you are, are, are mentoring you and also that you feel like have a pulse on things and take them out to lunch and learn as much as you can from that. And then at the end of the day, you still got to make your own decisions on your own finances, you know? Yeah. You know, I like what you said because sometimes I remember when I was brand new in business and um, in, I was in Denver in the, in the 80s and the, the real estate market was going straight up crazy. I was getting established in business and I thought, man, going at this rate, I'm never going to be able to afford the house I want or the real estate portfolio that I want. And just like everything else, it went up and then it went down. And when it went down, I was in position to take advantage of those opportunities. And, you know, I would tell young people, be patient and just know that there's cycles, like you said, and that there are going to be opportunities and there's times to buy and there's times to sell and there's times to hold the, the, and the hold steady. And um, I think right now, um, you know, like down here in Southwest Florida, like in Naples, we're getting a four seasons. So everything around this four seasons, now we're going to have a four seasons, two Ritz um, and, and La Playa, which I like better than all the other ones just mentioned. And um, it's only going to make our, our, our prices are just going silly. And um, I mean, I, there's a, there's a, there's a person here that's uh, scraping a 36 or $38 million house and building a $120 million house. Now, these are just numbers that the audience and, you know, I mean, I'm sure you and me, uh, Thomas, I mean, those are hard numbers to even grasp that somebody has so much money that they can just scrape a $36 million house 
And, uh, you know, I, I was wondering maybe if he could move it for me and um, I would just take it off his hands. It might be cheaper to move it than, than him to scrape it. And we'll put it somewhere. I, I promise I can find some land somewhere to put that thing on. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I think that everybody gets in this position. And when we're in markets like this, it almost can be discouraging if you're not in the market, right? And, and I think, like you said, the young guys in your office, you just got to be patient. It's, it's really tough to be patient. I'll tell you why. And you know this, because there's always somebody else doing something that you know that's making money, right? It's so if you're trying to be patient and they're over there doing and you're, you know, it's really easy to be ADD, you know, with mm-hmm. and, and to wonder, oh crap, what am I, what am I, it's hard to stay the course, right? It's hard, you know, if you put a good plan together when stuff like this crazy 38 million or whatever it was to 120, I mean, when that's going on, you're going, you know, am I missing opportunity? You know, it's easy to just question yourself. And you had brought up earlier the, the knowing when to, to uh, hold something, you know, I call that the Kenny Rogers mentality. Yeah. You know, you got you got to have the Kenny Rogers mentality if you're serious about, you know, your portfolio and your investment. You gotta, you, you know, you gotta know when to hold them, when to know when to fold them, know when to walk away. Right. That's right. And, and you can't you can't be afraid of missing the boat. You know, I think that's the, I think that's the, there's there's the, you know, you guys talk about the the abundance mindset, right? And if you're, if you're thinking about missing a boat, you're not in abundance mindset because there's 50 million boats, you know, you're sitting there looking at the one boat that's leaving you, you know, but you, yeah, you know, there's a pile of other boats over here, you know, one of them's got your name on it. And, and you know, I, I think that's a great, uh, um, a great lesson too, is, you know, where in any market, in a down market, in an up market, it's really figuring out where are the opportunities and where are the opportunities and how do they scale for you? Right. And but you can't let pessimistic uh, um, people and noise get in your head, because, I mean, I think that's what's happened to this country for the last year is, you know, all of these. uh, If you watch the news in the morning, I mean, I'm not sure how people made it through the day with with an optimistic uh, view, but I always know whatever I hear on the TV is I discount most of it. I the only show I watch consistently, and right now I'm having a hard time because some of their guest hosts is Jeopardy. And uh, <laughs> now we have a great guest host, but we've gone through some. Uh, I've I, for the first time in my life I've boycotted Jeopardy at two weeks at a time, depending on the guest host. But um, and I'll let I'm not gonna. This isn't a political show, so I'm not gonna say who I was protesting. But uh, but uh, you know I. Jeopardy isn't supposed to be political and it, so you never get into those things. And it's, it, it's, it's just, uh, it's good family fun to sit down and watch Jeopardy and, and try to see how many questions you can get right. But, um, when, when I think of just being positive, you know, you, you like, I, I love, um, where you followed your parents uh, lead into this business. And, you know, if your dad was a doctor and, you know, or your mom was a doctor, you know, that's cool too. But I think the thing that I love about real estate is, um, you know, everybody needs a place to live. Right. And, and, and one of the most 
exciting times of our lives is when we move into a new home or we decorate that home or like my wife says the HGTV moment of like just walking in and saying wow we get to live here right and so uh talk about like you know so you've been through two or three of these things your parents though starting in the 70s they've been through maybe a couple more right I mean what did you what did you learn from your parents about that staying power well my dad who was who was sort of the guru um he was the only appraiser in the area also so we get a lot of leads from him because he would go out and appraise properties a lot of times for estates and stuff and he was the only appraiser in like a three or four county area so he just he was a connector you know and he knew everybody and so having a mentor like that was just amazing mom was a great salesperson for a number of years and retired uh, as a meemaw you know, and dad, dad stayed in, in the business for a while and mentored us. And, um, you know, he, I, I'll never forget from 05 to about 07, the whole time, I, you know, we, we worked together, which is just a blessing in itself to be able to work with your dad. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least in, in my, he's been gone now 10 years and I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm just so blown away that I got to do that. He would come in every day. I mean, and I'm talking about every single day for that two year period, he would say the same thing. He would say, son, you better be watching your money and doing what you need to do with it because it's all coming slamming down soon. I mean, you know, and it wasn't this negativity to it. It was this, just a reminder, hey, you know, this, uh, this is the first time you've been through this cycle. You're 20 some years old and you're, you know, you're building houses and you're flipping houses. And, you know, I was doing about every single thing I could possibly do with real estate at the time, all the while newly married, having babies, just, just nonstop 80 hours a week, you know, and, and had a lot of money coming in. And I just remember him saying, when the spigot is turned off, it is turned off and it's going to be crickets. And I just couldn't imagine that because back then we still had landline telephones in the office and, you know, the phones were ringing off the hook and, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that wisdom, I mean, in 08, I'm telling you, just like that, the phone stopped ringing. I, I, I remember the day. I mean, I remember the day and I remember this eerie feeling and the hair on my neck standing up and going, dad's right about, I mean, I was like, wow, he's right. You know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you, you, you know, you gotta, uh, your dad's right, but it isn't until it happens when you're like, oh, dad really was right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, that. I, I, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, if I'm in your shoes and um, I'm in real estate, I'm doing all this stuff and then the market changes overnight, um, just like you said, just like immediately and, and the spigot turns off and maybe I lose money, you know, was there a time where you thought maybe I should be doing something else? I mean, or oh, how did you have the staying oh, power or the right mindset to keep going? Oh, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, all of that happened, you know, and I had, a lot of money tied up in investments. Um, I had 15 rentals at the time. I was building up my rentals, all single family homes. Um, and dad had, uh, you know, I grew up with, uh, with my dad and mom having some rentals. They, they had a few commercial rentals and a couple of small things, but my goal was to build up that portfolio in a really fast and, and you know, advantageous manner. My problem was, was I love land too much. Right. And so at the same time that I was buying rentals that were cash flowing, I was buying land that was not cash flowing. Yeah. And just a habit because I like 
hunting and, you know, having hundreds of acres and just having the idea. My thought process is, well, I want to have a thousand acres, right? Right. But I didn't take the same business mindset to the land as I did to the rentals and I should have. Mm. And so then when, when the spigot turned off and my main source of income uh, dried up, then the rentals were taking care of themselves. But I had $2.2 million of active debt. And I'm talking about debt that was not being paid for other than by my projects or, or you know, my income. And when you're in real estate and, you know, multiple different sources of income are coming just from real estate, right? I wasn't in any other type of businesses. And when that spigot turned off, it turned off for the spec homes. It turned off for the sales. It turned, you know, it turned off for everything. So then you're, you know, I got about $90,000 in, in um, reserves and that was it. And uh, probably should have had 250 but at least I had some and um, I had multiple time periods in a short time period where really great people gave me advice and I didn't take it mm. and I didn't take it. You know why I didn't take it mm. now I am 30. I am 33 at the time. Yeah. Okay. And my, one of my goals was to be a millionaire before I was 30 and I was a millionaire when I was 21. I mean, when I was 29, and then I was worth over two million, almost two and a half million by the time I was 32. So here I am, 33 years old, arrogant, you know, just, you know, think, think my crap doesn't stink. I'm just, I've been pulling in hundreds of thousands of dollars in a small town area with median income is 30 some thousand dollars, you know? Yeah. Um, and man, humble pie. And I had several of my dad's best friends that were mentors tell me what I should do with the money, you know, to, to weather the storm. And I didn't do it. And, and then all of a sudden that 90,000 was done, gone in 30 or, or three or four months. And I could have done some other things with it, you know, that would have been a lot better for me and my family during that time period. So yeah, it was a big storm that brewed and came for sure. You know, it's funny how we look back and people give us advice. And uh, um, later on in the show, I'll, I'll uh, ask you what the best advice you ever heard or that you that anybody ever gave you was. But but, you know, we hear the advice and sometimes we ignore it. And nor normally, like you said, it's from ego. And my wife always reminds me that ego is edging God out. Right. And yeah. so we think that it's all us and that we're super talented and that we you know, we, we're making all the right decisions and everything else. And we, we get cocky or we can, right. We got to stay humble and realize that, um, that, uh, that, you know, we, we have to make smart decisions and not think that we can outsmart everything. And, you know, right now, I think that I've got some friends that have tried to do that with cryptocurrency, like, Hey, I can outsmart this. And, uh, it's kind of come back to haunt them a couple of times. So, um, you know, I wonder, Thomas, if your if your dad was on the show right now, what would he be saying about the market? Any idea? The same thing he said back in 05. Thought that's what you were gonna say. I thought that's what you were gonna say. Yeah, he would be saying, invest in what you know. Yeah. You know, be confident about your decisions. Have a certain amount of, of reserves back just in case. Yeah. And keep rolling your money over and what you know. But when it happened, you know, the one thing he did say was that was so dead on was um, he gave us a blueprint of the recession. He said, recession is going to last five to six years. The third year is when you should buy. Right. Wait, wait until the third year. And the third year is when not necessarily everything bottoms out, but everybody's out of denial by then. The first year and a half to two years, everybody's still in denial. And, 
you know, still trying to get too much for something when it's all gone down and everything. But by the third year, either they've lost stuff and there's foreclosures and, you know, there's, there's, there's a massive amount of opportunities right in the third year. So he gave us this, this plan for the real estate brokerage. Cause by then he had, he had retired and we weathered the storm with the brokerage, didn't lose the office. I didn't lose my home. I didn't lose by the grace of God, did not lose a thing. Didn't lose my credit, did not lose, didn't have a foreclosure, didn't, you know, to this day, I still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gifted at leverage. So, and that can be good and bad. But during those time periods, it was a good thing because I was able to kind of leverage my credit better and, and, you know, move some things around. But I think probably one of the things he would say is, you know, what I said earlier, but the other would be um, that this is when you build cross-generational wealth during yeah. the recessions. You know, that's, you build wealth during the good times, yes. But if you really want to build some something that is sustainable, that is going to last a long time, that is cross-generational, then you really do it in the downtime, you know, and and I told Nick, your your partner, um, a couple of years ago, me and him first met, I said, and we were, I, I, you know, you have meetings with people in your life, right? And some of those meetings are just top 10 meetings of your life, right? Like you can go back to the first meetings with certain people and you remember that conversation, you remember exactly where you were, you remember the smell of the place, you know, everything. With Nick, it was at a bar in Richmond at a, at a, um, at a, an event we were at, you know, one of those events where, you know, you're, you're getting better, you're learning. Yeah. And we're sitting there and we met for the first time and we're talking and he said, well, what is your strategy? And I said, well, my strategy is to be ready for the next recession. And that was like three or four years ago. And, and, and that's been the top, you know, strategy for me and everything underneath. And I'm, you know, positioning myself to do that right now. But a lot of it is advice from my dad, like what we just talked about. Yeah. Well, it sounded like, it sounds like your dad gave you a lot of uh, a great advice. What was the, what was the, is, is there one thing that stands out where you say, man, I'll tell you what, that advice made all the difference in the world. Whew, man. Um, I could probably come up with 10 of those. <laughs> um, I would, I would say probably, I mean, it's simple, but it's, um, it's simple, but it's so profound. I, you know, I was always a talker and a communicator, you know, and in sales, the best thing you can be, I think a lot of people go, well, everybody wants me to get in sales because I'm so good at talking with people. And the first thing I tell them is what well, my dad would say, which I bet you would know, which is in order to be good in sales, you, you don't need to be a good talker. You need to be a good listener. Absolutely. You know? And I think that's, I think that's really good advice for it relationships period and it's not just like listening to it's 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 listening to the in-between stuff you know not what somebody says they want but hearing what they actually need in their voice or 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 what their mindset is at the current time and fitting that you know connection point together with whatever you know that you're getting out of that conversation which they may not actually be telling you you know, right. so if you're listening the right way, you know, it can be a profound moment, you know. You know, it's it's funny because um, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, he talks a lot about, um, and everybody's heard this before, is, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth, but balance isn't, isn't, is in the ears, right? 
is we balance and like when people have inner ear infections and they they lose their balance it's because um you know god put the balance our ability to balance in our ears and gave us two ears to listen and you're and you're so right by the way um i was having dinner uh, a couple of weekends ago with somebody who had been married like 40 some years and one of the uh one of the 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 uh people that we were having dinner with she was single and she asked them what's the what's the key to um um being married 40 years and being happily married for 40 years and and uh you know one is you know compromise and communication but but it was you know that listening to the other person right and um and i and i would tell you that uh i've been married uh since 2006 and um i could tell you the first five years i don't think i understood that as well as i understand it now so my wife's on the road right now driving from south dakota our our 22 year old is moving to orlando so they're bringing all her stuff and this morning you know i she's telling me about just, you know, they're halfway through and it's just a pain and everything else. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a problem solver. So I'm, you know, I could have like, okay, set yourself up a massage when you get back, do this, this. And I just listened because that's what she needed at that time. And what she was saying is I'm tired and I don't want to ever make this drive again. So <laughs> um, I think that's, uh, that's really cool. You know, one of the things that I love about your story of getting into real estate and how it's been a blessing for you and your family is that you, you, you learn from your dad. Now, if somebody doesn't have a parent that's in the business in like you talked about the young guys, so kind of what your dad did for you you're doing for these young guys in your business and you're giving them advice and leadership and uh, mentorship to help them. And, you know, Tony Robbins always says, if you want something, find somebody who's got it and find out what they did. Right. And then do it a little bit better. I always tell the younger guys that work with me is, you know, take the best from me, leave the rest and, and do it better than I did it where I have, where I am doing it. And um, you know, uh, but one of the things when we think about how to learn, we have to, we really have to read, right? And um, I know you're a, a Buffini fan, and I, I love, uh, 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 you know, I probably shouldn't plug somebody else's podcast during my podcast, but Brian Buffini's podcast is excellent. And if you were a realtor, and you wanted some coaching, I don't think that there's a better place to to go. Um, but he has some great guests and he's so good at interviewing them. Um, um, and, and, you know, they're professional guests. He's got, he gets everybody is, you know, big time. And, um, I, what I love about listening to him is, is always the books that he's reading. And he, 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 um, interviews a lot of authors that are coming out with, you know, New York times, best-selling books, right. you know, Thomas, I know you've read a lot of those books and, and, and you're probably like me is every time I listen to the author on there, I'm either downloading the audible book or, or ordering the book on Amazon. What are one, two or three books for you that have made all the difference? And what would your dad, and, and I'm going to throw you a curveball on this one. What was your dad's favorite book? If you know, uh, I do know what his favorite book was. His favorite book was Truman. Wow. Yeah, yeah, nice. He was, now he was a historian. Yeah. Now, aside from the Bible, he read the Bible every day. Yeah. 
Okay. He, yeah. he, he read that every day. He read it from, from, he read the one year Bible 14 times. Whoa. Now, <laughs> right. Cause I have the dates inside the Bible, which is amazing to me. That is amazing. Um, but he wasn't one of those that went around bragging about it. You know what I mean? It was just a, what can I learn each time through, right? But yeah. Truman was his favorite. He was a history buff. And he felt like that book um, was just an amazing book about like so many things that were happening during our, our world during that time and, and uh, all, you know, all that went with it. So I actually, it's funny you brought that up because I downloaded that and it's a massive book. It's huge. You yeah. know? It, it, you know, when he was reading it, I was in my twenties. I was like, I'll never read. Like, you know, I wasn't reading then, and I was like, that's ridiculous. You know, yeah. now I downloaded it on Audible, and I'm gonna start reading it soon. But right now, I'm reading. Um, uh, I just finished Seven Men, which is a phenomenal book. I don't know if you've read that. Um, I haven't. Eric Metaxas. It's an amazing book. Um, and uh, I just finished that right now, and I just finished Bomber Mafia. Uh, have you read that one? No, you get you got me two books that I haven't uh, <laughs> that I haven't read. So. so that that is Malcolm Gladwell, who I know you've heard of. Malcolm yeah, that's Gladwell. that's that's awesome. You know, um, I just read a book that Buffini had the author on, and now I'm drawing a blank on the author, but is it I'm sure. Start with uh, or start with who? Is it? No, it was uh, the Art of Impossible. No, it was the Power of Who. Okay, the Art of Impossible. Okay, I haven't read that. Yeah, it's uh, it was very good. Um, and uh, I love, uh, uh, honestly, it's kind of helped me with my golf game because he talks about flow being in that zone and being confident. Oh, Chicks in the Hasbro flow? Does he bring that up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so um, that was a great book too. So, you know, I think that when we're in these times and we don't really know what's going to happen next and you know, it's such an important thing to guard your mindset. And the way that you do that is by good input. And just like you said, your dad reading the Bible every day. Um, you know, I, I've, I, I haven't done it 14 times. I've done it once and I failed a couple of times trying to get through it, but I got to share a, a, a Nelson Nash story uh, that I probably have shared on this show before, but it's a, it's worth sharing again. So one time I talked to Nelson and I said, uh, Nelson, and this is right before he passed away, actually. And uh, so it was in, in March. And, and I said, Nelson, I'm, I'm reading the Bible cover to cover. And I'm in the Old Testament. And, you know, Nelson, I'm struggling with the Old Testament. I just, I, I can't, I lose my train of thought. I'm like, you know, this many of this, you know, just going through all this stuff. And I said, he goes, he said, and I'm going to butcher this. So all from my Southern audience, I apologize, but I got to try to do his accent just a little bit. As he said, Jim, you know, the thing is, is that uh, you have to understand the problem before you understand the solution. The Old Testament, that's the problem. The New Testament, that's the solution. And that. and that was just Nelson, right? That was, if you asked him a question, he never gave you a straight answer. He would, he would, you know, say, Jim, what do you know about the Tulsa race ride of 19, you know, I'm like, and I'm like, what does that have to do with the question I just <laughs> asked you? You know, like, and, but he was always saying, Hey, I'm not just going to give you the answer. You got to go find the answer for yourself. And, 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 and so I always thought that was a great, uh, uh, perspective of the old Testament and the new Testament, because Nelson was all about like with infinite banking, the problem, 
and then the solution, right? If you don't understand the problem, then the solution doesn't get you that excited. So, um, but, uh, you know, uh, Thomas, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing this. And, uh, I wish I would have gotten the chance to, to meet your dad. And, uh, and, uh, um, I love that you're kind of passing it forward or, or, you know, um, paying it forward and, and helping the young guys in your office. And those guys are fortunate to have a, a leader like you to, to help and, and a mentor like you to guide them. And, um, I would tell everyone out there, if it's real estate, if it's infinite banking, you got to find the guide. You really have to find a guide or a coach and somebody to help you kind of go through these times. And when the noise gets in your head to be able to keep that abundant mindset. And, uh, so thank you, uh, again, and thank you audience for listening. If, uh, uh, go to at, wherever you get this podcast and give us a review. Hopefully it's a good one and subscribe. And just remember nothing good happens in the herd until next time. I'm your host, Jim Oliver. Thank you for listening. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms. We'd love to help go to create to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.